Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 377th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting in this our ninth year. God, where's it all gone? Across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Now, the economy's booming. And yet the hardest thing to make now is a profit. The challenge for many consumer electronic firms is not how to make things. That's easy. Or how to distribute them. That's easy too. And get them in front of potential buyers is easy. It's how to make a profit that is bloody hard. It's never been easier to make smartwatches or smart speakers or any other gadgets, but only the big players have the muscle to survive. Now, if you walk into an electronics store, you've got a Fitbit display and it's got all these activity bands which measure your steps and all sorts of other things, as well as the Fitbit versus smartwatch, which has got a whole bunch of trick things. But there's also a whole range of cheaper generic activity brands. Maybe you can save a lot of money with those. So then you walk onto the next counter and they're GoPro cameras, as well as a whole bunch of cheaper, not well-known models. Then the next counter along has got Sonos speakers, which work with Alexa. It's a cheaper Amazon Echo and a Google Home and a Siri-enabled Apple HomePod, as well as a whole bunch of other small, cheaper brands. You walk to the next one, it's drones. There's a Parrot drone and a whole bunch of cheaper options. So out of Fitbit, GoPro, Parrot and Sonos, each operating in different segments of the consumer electronics business, not one of them have made a cumulative operating profit yet. So Fitbit, GoPro, Parrot and Sonos, none of them have made a profit. Now, making a profit in hardware is bloody difficult. Difficult, You know, software is easy. <laughs> you make the software for 10 cents and you sell it for $599. That's easy. Um, it's trivial. And the internet distributes it for free, essentially. So... You want people to copy it. Software companies typically have gross margins of around 80%, where hardware companies have minuscule profits. Now, Amazon's one of the main reasons for this because it enables startups to distribute products without any formal warehousing, and they can compete with the bigger businesses at much lower cost. And if you go to Shenzhen, which is north of Hong Kong, a couple of hours north of Hong Kong, it it make it's just enormous, and they're just making Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Samsung. They're making everything for everybody. Now, GoPro was founded in two thousand and two, came to market in two thousand and fourteen. Sonos was also founded in two thousand and two and came out of the market in two thousand and eighteen. Fitbit was set up in 2007 and listed in 2015. And these have been around forever. 
Parrot got into drones in 2010. Now, you have a look at the shares. Parrot shares, $1.83 down from $48. Fitbit lost $200 million last quarter. Fitbit shares were $47. They're now $4.90. GoPro shares were $87. They're now $4.24. So they've all lost 90% of their value. So it's never been easier to make and sell hardware. I mean, it's so easy. They raise a fortune. Um, Pebble Smartwatch, you remember that? Raised 10 million, then it raised another 20 million. That was 30 million in 2015. December 16, 12 months later, it went broke. It's just extremely difficult. And the competition from everyone else, from Apple and whatever, is just extraordinary. Sonus was challenged by Amazon. Fitbit was challenged by the Apple smartwatch. It's happening in every industry. So it's very difficult for people to make any money and the big guys can squash the smaller players. We don't have much time today because we've got a big interview. It's a really good interview. It's great. Um, Technology, it's all about holograms. It's fantastic. And I was fortunate enough to be invited by the hologram people to have a good look at it. It is unbelievable. So how often have you seen the phrase, quitters never win and winners never quit? They're the infamous words of legendary NFL coach Vince Lombardi. He's considered to be one of the greatest coaches in American sports history. Almost half a century after his death, Quitters never win and winners never quit. It's become part of the vocabulary. Everybody believes that. But the tech industry's testament, the fact that it's all backwards. Quitting can improve the odds of success and grit and perseverance can leave you much worse off. You know, in the business of trading, nearly 90% of day traders lose their money while the remaining 10% makes obscene amounts of money. So Jack Swagger, the renowned expert in futures trading, began his search for answers to what separates winning traders from losing traders. For 20 years, he studied it and found that a headstrong determination to persist with a bad business idea, a job, a relationship, friendship, etc., costs much of our money energy, health, and time, which we can never get back. Swagger discovered that the common habit shared by the top traders was his ability to cut your losses and let your profits run. And if you have a look at at technology, the social media platform Twitter was a pivot idea that was built after the founders abandoned their podcasting company. YouTube was originally a dating site. eBay was a platform for selling Pez dispensers and Google began as a library book search. And Sir Alexander Fleming abandoned his search for a drug to cure diseases to later discover penicillin. So in many areas, quitters will always win and losers will never quit. My guest after the short break is David Nussbaum. And he's a 
sensational guy, really great guy. He's one of the foremost experts with hologram technology in the world. I guess you've all seen Tupac hologram. Um, years ago in the Michael Jackson hologram, you would swear I, I was there with um, David and I was 10 feet from the stage and I would have sworn that those people were real. It is that good. If you haven't seen it, give yourself the opportunity to have a look. This is Bob Pritchard broadcasting across the world this week from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, and I'll be back with David in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Now, for eight years, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting people. We've talked about their businesses. We've talked about the services they provide, the obstacles that they faced. And I guess underneath it all, what we try to do is to see what it is that makes them tick, what it drives them, because only 2% of businesses succeed, 98% fail. So what do the 2% do that the 98% don't do? And we hope that we can share some tips with you that will make you one of the 2%, not one of the 98%. So on this program, we try to address a wide variety of industries and the fascinating people that make the companies in those industries successful. Now, many of you would have seen the Tupac hologram that was performed at Coachella in 2012. The technology is absolutely amazing at bringing performers that have passed away back to life. And I was fortunate to have been invited to the Hologram Theatre in Hollywood to meet David Nussbaum, who is one of the foremost experts with the technology on the planet. And Hologram USA is celebrating its fifth anniversary in February, and they're going to have a huge party and I'm going to be invited. No, I just made that bit up. But now they probably be forced into it. Now, Hologram USA is famous for bringing late icons back to posthumously perform while beaming living legends around the world. They uh, send the best of the world to the rest of the world. And they can beam anyone from anywhere 
to anywhere else in real time. It was it was just the time I spent at um, the Hologram Theatre in Hollywood was just extraordinary. So I was fortunate to meet David and see how it all works and watch a wide variety of holograms of various artists and not only singers but comedians and all, ballerinas and all sorts of people. It was really fantastic. And David Nussbaum is a lovely guy and he's got an amazing history. He's worked in the television, radio and media industry for 20 years, although he doesn't look old enough with a focus in the hologram space for five years. His hologram highlights um, are many, including Juan Gabriel and Jenny Rivera digital resurrection memorial concerts, as well as special event contacts contracts with Sony Pictures, ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live, Universal Studios, NBC's The Voice, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, and on and on and on. So since uh, David's been working in the hologram field, he's been seen domestically and internationally on almost every television show there is, Good Morning America, CNN, NBC, Fox, CBS, the whole the whole ball game. And uh, he's been heard on NPR and the Howard Stern Show, quoted in Popular Mechanics, Rolling Stone, just to name a couple. He's, um, he's a real famous dude. Not only that, he's smart and he's really humble. It's really interesting. Hi, David. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard right around the world. Well, I thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I hope I could... Uh, I'm not sure I could live up to that. that when you, you when you say it out loud, it... When you say it out loud, it it uh, it uh, it you know it actually makes me a little bit nervous to talk to you now. <laughs> but thanks for having me on. Thanks. It having said having said that, the stuff you've done is really incredible. You know, you um, you've done a hell of a lot of stuff, and in 2010 you began hosting a top 10 celebrity interview podcast, which was called Decently Funny. And it ran for five years, so you have to be half good. And uh, I know how hard it is to get great interview guests. It really is difficult. And yet you attracted over 250 celebrity long-form interviews. Who were some of your most amazing guests? Who were, who were those that you sat there after the interview finished and thought, wow, that was incredible? Yeah. Well, uh, we did it every Saturday for five years. And... Like you, uh, I, I booked my own guests, and so I used social media uh, to attract the guests. So uh, it would take me hours and hours and hours to find a single guest. Then it would take me hours and hours and hours to research that guest, and then we would do a one-hour show, and then we would edit it for hours and hours. I mean, we probably spent 10 or 15 hours on every single episode. It's a uh, hours, isn't it? <laughs> it was, but it was also a... Um, it was a labor of love and yeah. because guys like you and I are real passionate about talking to people who we admire and people that make a difference. And, uh, so for me, I really was, because I was new to Hollywood, I wanted to, I wanted to reach out to people in the entertainment industry yeah. and my first ever guest on, uh, decently funny was a man, uh, named Sam Simon, who may he rest in peace. Who he's no longer with us. He yeah. he died. Uh, he died of cancer. But Sam Simon co-hosted. Uh, I'm sorry, co-created The Simpsons. Yep. And uh, he was the showrunner for Taxi. And 
The Drew Carey show. I mean, the guy is a legend, and he took all of his money uh, when he passed, and he gave it all to um, to animal uh, research, and he they created the Sam Simon Foundation. So he is uh, by far, you know, because of Sam Simon, there was uh, my podcast, Decently Funny, because then I could go to any single celebrity. Sure. I could go to any single person and say, what do you mean you don't want to do it? Sam Simon did it, and he created The Simpsons. I mean, what, are you better than Sam Simon? So because of that, I'm, I managed to, um, yeah, 250 celebrity interviews. Uh, on episode nine, I met my now wife, and, and she's the mother of my two children, and I just reached out to her early on, and she came in. She, she was a reality, she won a reality show. Right, and I watched I watched the reality show, and so she came on the show, and then we soon fell in love and had children. So, I mean, this podcast actually changed my life. I met um, Henry Hill, who was the uh, inspiration and the subject matter for uh, the film Goodfellas. Right, uh, Henry Hill admitted to murder on my podcast while sit- by the way, all of these took place while sitting in my living room in my old Hollywood apartment. So I have a murderer in my apartment. Oh, okay. uh, so, yes, it, that was pretty insane. And I also met Alki David, who is the CEO of Hologram USA, on yeah. my podcast. Yeah, so I've met... So because of this podcast, I've I met my wife and had my children. I met the CEO of, of the now, you know, world-famous Hologram uh, USA company. So that podcast really kind of changed things for me and for a lot of people. Yeah, that's great. So how did you get the nickname Nuzzy? Somebody well, my last name is Nussbaum. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, my, la- my, last name is, my last name is Nussbaum. And so uh, when you play sports uh, or when you're just hanging out with your friends in, uh, in grammar school, in grade school, in high school, they, uh, everybody's got a nickname. You know, Smith is Smitty and Jones is Jonesy and Nussbaum became Nussy and then you know, that changed to Nuzzy. I don't know. It's just, we, it was just a, a, a kind of a shortened version of my last name. And it uh, kind of just, it stuck with me. Yeah. Because, you know, David, I'm look, I, uh, I'm a, I was a Jewish boy from New Jersey on my block. Right. It was seven David. Seven <laughs> David. And then like when the lights came on, you know, when the street lights came on and all the kids in the neighborhood are playing and all the mothers would go, David, 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 come home, David. It's like, you know, how many, how many David? So, uh, uh, Nuzzy, Nuzzy kind of stuck because it separated me from everybody else. All the other Davids. So, you saw the power of hologram technology when Tupac performed at Coachella. That was 2012. Um, so, on Decently Funny, you interviewed Johnny Fratto, son of a mob yes. boss. Had it, Yes. What's your affinity with, you seem to have this penchant for bad guys. <laughs> I, I was a, uh, I'm a lifelong fan of the Howard Stern show. Yeah, uh, when I was too. growing up, I wanted to be Howard Stern. I wanted to be the, I wanted to, I wanted to host my own show. I wanted to interview all of my, uh, all of my favorites. Um, and because I'm a huge fan of the Howard Stern show, I wanted to interview everybody that Howard Stern interviewed. And like I said earlier, Sam Simon was a regular guest on the Howard Stern show. And so was Johnny Frotto. Johnny right. Frotto became, he became sort of, you know, famous for a lot of di- different reasons. One for being the son of a mob boss, but other because he was a, uh, he was a very outspoken uh, member of the, you know, the Howard Stern family. And he was always right. on and he 
never held anything back, and he was so interesting. Uh, he is also gone, unfortunately. Yeah. Everybody that I fell in love with through my podcast all died of cancer. You know, right. it's crazy. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. So, uh, but yeah, so Johnny Frado comes on the podcast, uh, and uh, we became really great friends. And throughout our friendship, you know, we did many things together, but he, in, he introduced me to the guys who did the, uh, the Tupac hologram. Right. And he said to me, you know, he had this kind of uh, Midwest kind of mobby kind of uh, accent. I'm not even going to attempt it, but maybe Google Johnny Frotto and then you'll yeah. he, I mean, he is everything that you would expect a Johnny Frotto to look and sound like. It's right. insane. So he says to me that he knows the guys who, who do it. And, um, and the guys who own the patents for this hologram technology uh, are uh, European. They are really interested in licensing the patents and the technology to somebody in the United States uh, who will not only exploit it and really turn it into a business, but to also police it, uh, make sure that nobody sure. infringes on the technology. So, so um, I've been working for Alki David doing some TV stuff for him, and Alki David is uh, one of the very famous David Leventis um, billionaires who own and control 27 uh, countries of bottling and distribution for the whole Coca-Cola family. The guy's loaded. Yep. He's known as the eccentric billionaire, and he's also known as kind of being a forward-thinking entrepreneur. So he took all that Coca-Cola money and he turned it into Filmon, which became a globally uh, successful uh, internet uh, television company. And then he turned that into something else. And he turned that into, and then... So he, he was turned on by this hologram technology, just like the rest of us. And so I introduced Johnny Frado to Alki David, and Johnny brought in Giovanni Palma and Uwe Moss, the inventor and, the, and his, um, his license, global license partner. Uh, and we all kind of met in, in a room together. And right there um, in February of 2014, uh, we all kind of shook on it, and Hologram USA was born. That's very interesting because Elkie, Elkie's a really interesting guy. He, he's a great guy, and he's very smart. Um, for those of you who don't know him, he's heavily tattooed. He's a real extrovert and uh, very interesting. I, and I can understand him getting along really well with Johnny Fratto. They're sort of a similar sort of character. Um, yeah. But you strike me as being totally the opposite to Elkie. So oh, yeah. What's, what's the – how do you two guys complement each other? How much input does Elkie have in the business and how much of that is just simply providing funding? Well, Elkie is – the, well, we are, we are the exact, we're polar opposites. Um, I don't think you could find two people more opposite. Although we do, our, we do have a similar passion for the, the hologram uh, technology and the hologram company. Uh, yeah, he loves it. I spoke, he, spoke to him about it and um, he, he really, yeah. really loves it. Yeah, well, he has, because of his money and because of his kind of creative way of thinking. He likes to create his own productions. He likes to spend his money uh, on kind of building big productions and, and doing things as part of a Hologram USA production. Uh, 
right. uh, which then plays at the theater or he wants to put that on the road and tour it. Now, I come from a background of uh, sales. I talked earlier about how I wanted to be the Howard Stern show. I was never tall Howard enough. Stern. I, ne- I, 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 never, I wasn't tall enough to be Howard Stern yet. But whenever I got a job at a radio station, the general manager never put me on the air. He put me uh, in the sales department. Right. Uh, so I would be the guy to fill the commercial breaks between the, the you know, the, between the, the talking, right? Or bet- like I worked for the Yankees, I worked for the, the Mets, I worked for the Dodgers, I worked for the Lakers. So during the play-by-play, I was the guy to sell everything. So I really know how to sell. Uh, so I thought I could sell this technology. I could reach out to people, to estates, to producers, to celebrities, to CEOs, to museums, to amusement parks. I said, this is the technology that was famously used by Tupac so he could posthumously perform at Coachella, which made Coachella a household name. Sure. It made Tupac immortal. It, I mean, the, the record company loved it because his record sales went up, went through the charts for the first time since he died 10 years earlier. Yeah. So, um, so whereas, you know, Alki spends his money on creating amazing, elaborate productions, I make him money to, uh, uh, by, by selling the technology and selling our productions to other people. Right. So, one of the, might have been the first gig you ever did, but it was beaming Julian Assange of WikiLeaks fame out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London to a speaking job in the USA. Now, Assange is wanted in the US, so that must have had some real logistical issues for getting that fit lined up. Oh, yeah. Did you? Yeah, that was crazy. Did you have to work with the government at all? We had to work with the Ecuadorian government and the Ecuadorian embassy, yeah. You know, it was wild. Um, I, want, I knew that I, we wanted to make a big splash. Uh, and so for our first job, like we did America's Got Talent, but I don't consider that a real, a real first job. I mean, our first job was something that I, I wanted to make kind of a global, I wanted to like, you know, plant our flag in the ground and say, okay, yeah. here we are, grab the we're headlines. a business. Yep. I wanted to grab the headlines and so did Alfie. Alfie loves publicity. And so what I thought would be cool would be to beam somebody who can't be somewhere to that place. And so I called every, I called Charles, I called the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the prison where Charles Manson was incarcerated. I said, how cool would it be if we could beam Charles Manson out of prison? Um, uh, Charles Manson was way too crazy. I could not, uh, we, it would have been a disaster. Uh, but then I also call OJ Simpson was uh, living inside the Las Vegas penitentiary. I yep. talked to the warden for hours and hours trying to convince him how cool would it be to put OJ Simpson on stage to take questions from the press and from the public uh, in real time as a hologram without him ever having to leave his cell. And so we went through a lot of different no's and I was really starting to get, um, you know, starting to lose. I was frustrated. Yeah, I was starting to lose patience. And then I got a call from a speaking job company called the Nantucket Project, which is a lot like TED Talks. Yeah. And they, they, they have the best uh, speakers from around the world, and people spend thousands and thousands of dollars to hear them talk and to talk with them and stuff like that. So they said, do you have anybody interesting? Can we use your technology for interesting? 
for anything interesting. And we started working together on bringing Julian Assange from the Ecuadorian embassy to the Nantucket project in a small theater called the Dreamland Theater on Nantucket Island, which is a small little yep. island off the coast of Massachusetts. Yep. And so, yes, so the embassy only allowed three people inside the, the, the building. Right. And so we sent Alki David, Alki, so <laughs> could you imagine Alki David, Mr. Crazy, you know, eccentric billionaire, standing in the same conference room and, uh, and working with Julian Assange. Uh, <laughs> that is, I, Alki was thrilled that he was able to participate in that. So we had Alki David, we had a, um, a satellite producer right. uh, from satellite company that we had hired. And we had a camera guy slash uh, kind of gopher. Like, so we had a, a, a runner gopher camera guy. We had a producer for the satellite. And then we had Alki who was kind of managing that whole thing. And then on my end, we built an enormous hologram projection stage uh, at the Dreamland Theater uh, that can take the feed. Because, you know, our technology uh, basically... You know, you could beam anybody. I mean, Julian Assange could have beamed anywhere via satellite. But what we right. do is, instead of live via satellite, we do live via hologram. So we so, took his satellite feed and we we made it appear as if he was really on that stage in Nantucket. And to everybody in that audience and to everybody around the world, it was looked there. like Assange was on that stage. Yes. Okay, so does where does the technology take place if you only need a cameraman at the with the person that you're filming um where where does the hologram technology take place so i imagine that it would need multiple cameras 360 degree sort of um photography but i guess it doesn't right so they just send a like a television beam back to wherever you are and then you create it into a hologram the site? Yes. So that's what's so great about our technology. It only needs a single camera. Uh, we, wow. we film everything in 6K or 8K, and then we render it back to match whatever the source would be. Uh, if we do Kimmel or if, if we do television, most of the time it's in HD, like 1080 sure. or even 720. So we'll yeah. render it back, but we want to shoot everything in the highest quality um, uh, production possible. Yeah. And so uh, the Hologram USA technology is based on an old theater trick called Pepper's Ghost. And it's, you know, uh, it's hundreds of years old. It used to be a, a magic trick, basically, where you would reflect an image from one place to another using mirrors and glass. And over the hundreds of years, it's evolved. And then uh, the patents that we own are patents that give us the ability to not make it look like a ghostly image, but we can actually make it look like there's a real person on that stage. Yeah. And when we put Assange on, a, on the stage as a hologram using our Pepper's Ghost patents, we put him right next to a live interviewer who was sitting on a, on a similar stool. We, we sent a white stool to the Ecuadorian embassy. We sent a white stool to the Dreamland Theater in Nantucket, and we put a real interviewer on that stool, and then we put Assange on the other stool, and we faced them towards each other like they were doing an interview next to each other in real time. 
And to everybody's amazement and shock, there they are in real time talking to each other as if they were sharing the same space where they could really be together. It was like an intimate in, you know, conversation, but yep. they were really thousands of miles apart. Well, I guess most of our majority of our listeners probably have not seen in, in real life the, the hologram performance. I've got to tell you, it is incredible. You would swear that you were watching a real person up there on the stage. It is amazing. It's just, and it's, it's, it's in three-dimensional. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's really just like watching a live performer on stage. So with, with a real live person, you film them. Let's say you want to create a hologram like, say, Elvis. Now, the, first, the biggest pain in the ass, I guess, is getting the rights. And once you've got the rights, how do you proceed from there when that person's no longer with us? So once you have the rights, which is, you're absolutely right, it, it can be a real pain in the ass, but it's because we're still a brand new medium. We're brand new technology. So getting the rights are difficult because people aren't sure about this technology quite yet. You know, they've seen Tupac and then maybe they've seen one or two other things, but it's still very scary because most of the rights are owned by the son or by the wife. Yeah. The widow, you know, or by the sometimes by the parents, and they're like, "Well, what are you going to do with these rights exactly?" And then it's it, it's more of an education process than than anything else. So once you obtain, yeah. So once you get the right, then you have to work with the record company if it's in fact an artist, a musical right. artist. Yep. Uh, then you have to license that music. But uh, we take video. There's a couple of different ways to do it. There's, I'd say, there's three main ways to digitally resurrect an icon. The first way is by taking footage, actual footage that exists. And if it's good enough and if it's shot just the right way, and if you can alter it in post-production, you can do a, a, a technique called rotoscoping, which is you remove the background of the image, leaving only the subject matter Elvis yeah. in this case, uh, remaining, so it's so it would look like it's just Elvis singing and performing in on a black on a black screen, and then we would uh, post production would and editing would um, m clean it up, would make it sharper, would uh, add some digital effects to it. Uh, it would try to we would try to make it look as realistic as possible because most of the stuff that we would get our hands on would be from the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. So yeah. the, uh, the quality wouldn't be as great. So then we make it look as great as possible. And then using our hologram uh, technology and patents, we then project it onto the stage so Elvis can perform again. Um, that is rotoscoping. There's two other ways, and I'll just go through, through them real quickly. There is the way that, uh, that Tupac was done, uh, which is no longer a... Um, a big secret, Tupac was done using a body double. Uh, the estate had to approve the body double and the face, head, mouth, everything above the neck, complete CGI. So wow. just like, you know, um, any of those Avatar or okay. Benjamin Buttons or, you know, any of those movies where they create the, the actor, the performer as a, uh, using computer generated 
um, images, that is how Tupac's entire face was done. And then that, the, the CGI head, this is also how Ronald Reagan was done for the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Right. Body double and CGI head. And then it, that, the head is stitched onto the body in editing, in production, just like you would make a movie. But yep. it's a head replacement. It's a, it's a virtual head replacement, a digital head replacement. And then the music, or in Reagan's case, the, the, uh, the speeches were synced with the mouth movements of the CGI and, uh, and then, you know, tightened up. And then, of course, the estate has to approve everything before he or she can, can you know, take the stage yeah. for the first time. Yeah. So if you, were, if you were doing Elvis and all you had was a, um, a one-minute clip of him doing a song, um, could you then pr- produce a whole 45-minute presentation from that two-minute, three-minute um, original clip? So no, I mean that the, we would take the, the two-minute or three-minute clip would would be the only hologram that we could create from that. Of course, we could create a whole forty-five-minute presentation because then we could license footage, we could do pictures, we can have other artists come on and and do kind of um, homage performances uh, uh, of Elvis. So I mean, yeah, I could create an entire forty-five-minute or even a ninety-minute. Um, Broadway musical, the Elvis musical. Uh, and then at the very end, maybe Elvis comes out as a hologram and kind of just slams the door shut, makes everybody go crazy because hologram Elvis just left the building, essentially. Yeah, that, so I could, yeah, we, we could absolutely do that. That's incredible. Now, when, when you were showing me around um, the hologram theater and how it all works, what really amazed me was how you project the image onto the floor and then have it come up on a 45-degree mylar screen. And from the audience, it looks like a natural vertical performance. How the hell does that work? So have you ever, you know, you ever drive in your car and then maybe right after we left, say I handed you a business card, maybe you throw the business card up on your dashboard while you're driving, but it appears like the business card is on the hood of the car because the glass from your front windshield reflects it onto in, into the open air. Sometimes right. you'll see that like if you're watching TV and it'll, it'll look like the TV is outside because your sliding glass door just reflects it. It's the same thing. It's, a, it's an illusion. We reflect an image from one place to another. And over the years, obviously, wonderful, like, look, the, the, the early inventor of Pepper's Ghost uh, John, Dr. John Henry Pepper was an English scientist and he m- made this happen in the 1860s. He says, I can use a 45 degree angle of this glass and then I can reflect in uh, a, uh, an actor who's um, beh- backstage. I can, I can reflect him off a mirror and then through this glass. And, you know, it's a very scientific and mathematical kind of process. Right. Um, it's not it's not magic, but it appears magical. It's really just scientific and, and, and mathematical. And so, yes, what we use now, what, you know, what was once mirrors and thick pieces of glass are now high resolution, even 4K resolution LED pixels. And this, 
the thinnest. You saw just how thin. Thousands of an inch yes. thick patented hologram projection plastics that then take that image and reflect it and throw it onto the stage. So they're no longer ghostly figures because of these thick pieces of glass diluting the image. But now it actually increases the, 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 uh, the definition of the image. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, a really, it's a really impressive illusion. It's a great holographic illusion. It certainly effect. is. Are you giving away any of David Copperfield's secrets here? I cannot say <laughs> David Copperfield. For, but, yes, this is, a, this is a magic trick that's been used for hundreds of years. Uh, it is a it is a uh, it is a way to make something look like it's there when it's not really there. If uh, which is why it was so impressive when Snoop Dogg. Okay, let's go back to 2012 when Snoop took the stage with hologram Tupac. Yeah, Snoop was basically on that stage performing by himself, even though the audience saw hologram Tupac and Snoop together standing next to each other performing together. Snoop just, he was looking at Tupac on display monitors because just because the audience sees something there, he can't see it because it doesn't really exist. It's an illusion. So as long as you're sitting in just the right seat, just from the right angle, you're going to see what we want you to see. So a hologram simply entertainment or do they have an application in the home or at retail or even on the factory floor or movies and theater? Well, I think all of the above. Uh, we use it because we're an entertainment company and a production company. We mostly use it for entertainment. When we beamed, you know, Jimmy Kimmel to the Country Music Awards, uh, that yeah, was fantastic. a. I mean, it was that was great. I mean, what what Assange did for us globally, I'd say Kimmel did for us uh, domestically. We beamed him to the Country Music Awards three years in a row, yeah. and that was live on TV, yeah. and so. And then we started beaming artists back. As they were winning and accepting awards, we would beam them from the Country Music Awards in Nashville to uh, Kimmel's stage to perform on live on TV uh, as holograms. So, so we like to do a lot of TV stuff. I've beamed, we've beamed uh, lots of CEOs around the country, around the world, uh, so they can speak in multiple... Uh, cities at the same time. Uh, it's used for politics. Probably the best case study that we have is uh, our partners, our global partners at MDH Hologram in Europe uh, used the, the technology that we have. We, uh, it was used to beam an unknown politician named Narendra Modi in India from the safety of his own office in Delhi without ever having to leave, didn't have to hire security, didn't have to take those long flight times uh, and and long hotel stays in India, a country with more than 800 million registered voters. He was beamed in front of tens of millions of uh, Indian voters, hundreds of hologram projection stages at a time over the course of the final few weeks of his campaign. And uh, what the voters saw of Modi, like they liked it enough to then show up for the election 
and they voted Narendra Modi in as now the new prime minister of India. Yeah, so it isn't just for entertainment. It is it changed the world. Modi is now the is now the prime minister of India. So, um, and of course now we're bringing back Reagan, and we are talking to other political figures and potential presidential candidates for 2020 here in the United States. So there is a lot more going on than just, you know, bringing back the dead to, to perform uh, at a concert. But I'm a, I'm a speaker, and I'd love to be able to, somebody rings me up and says, hey, we've, got a, we've got a great gig for you in Cape Town. Uh, mm. And I think, oh, geez, I'm going to be sitting on a plane for the rest of my fucking natural life. I don't want to do that. So uh, theoretically, I could get a hologram produced and uh, – just beam it down over there. So what sort of cost would I or a CEO or whatever be looking at to produce, first of all, the hologram of whoever it is, and then what cost would the venue incur? Just sort of ballpark so we've got some idea. Well, there's again, there's a few different ways to do it. I would say to from anywhere to anywhere else in real time will cost anywhere from tens of thousands of dollars. Yep to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. So it doesn't always make financial sense to do something. Sometimes you do it just because you want to kind of make a statement. Yeah. And also sponsors, sponsors uh, all the time pick up the tab because we notice that when a hologram shows up somewhere, so do massive audiences. And those audiences all have social media accounts and iPhones. Sure. So when, we, when, the, when, when a Bob Pritchard hologram shows up in Cape Town, you could be sure that the, the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people in that audience are all going to have an iPhone and they're all going to be taking a video of it and they're all going to be posting it on Instagram. So it oftentimes makes sense because you now have a global distribution center of social media because of the holiday. Right. Uh, but yes, it will cost you tens of thousands of dollars to start, hundreds of thousands of dollars for something pretty amazing. And then we've done productions in the seven figures as well okay so what then does the what costs the, does the venue incur what have they got to do to be able to put me on in cape town or whatever it is well the, yeah the venue has has most of the cost so we have uh, aluminum box truss we have that proprietary hologram projection foil we have the leds or the projectors as the projection source uh we have the stage deck and the, and the whole setting but we have to build a hologram projection portal a hologram projection stage it's kind of massive in size but from the audience's perspective they don't even know that it's there because of the way we build it because we build it like it's a magic trick right, right? Uh, from your side you don't have to leave your living room yeah. You could be sitting in your radio room where you are right now. I could beam you doing this live uh, to not just Cape Town, but I could put you in 10 cities at the exact same time. And you could be doing maybe a, your radio show on all seven continents at the exact same time, live via hologram. I'll have to, but talk, yes, have to talk to Alki about funding it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know if Alki could afford to do that. Because that, that, <laughs> that really does start to get expensive. But um, once we get to a, a place where theaters, because right now theaters are hiring us to put in uh, projection stages as permanent structures that right. we can fly 
that was there, so we could we could actually like drop them into place when it's a hologram uh, production, and then we raise it out of the way when it's not a hologram production. So once we get to a place where there's dozens, even hundreds of hologram projection stages around the world, then those costs no longer exist. The stages are already in place. And then all you're doing is just basically, you know, renting doing it out thing. like yeah. it, like, it, yeah, you're just doing your thing. You're just renting a theater and they happen to have, you know, a hologram uh, stage as opposed to an LED wall or a movie screen. It'll just be one more way to get somewhere where you can't be. It's, it's fantastic technology. David, we're out of time, unfortunately, but thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard radio show. Now, if you want to find out more about holograms and to contact David, go to Hologram USA. That's Hologram, H-O-L-O-G-R-A-M-U-S-A dot com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business right after this message. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Network, and we're broadcasting today from Hollywood Boulevard in the technology and entertainment capital of the world, Silicon Beach, Hollywood, California. Speaking of Hollywood, California, if you're in Los Angeles or you're visiting Los Angeles, visiting Hollywood, the um, Hologram Theatre is on Hollywood Boulevard right near Highland. You can't miss it. It's a big theatre. It is well worth the trip. I mean, it is quite extraordinary. So if you're in LA and you're having a look at the stars on the sidewalk, then um, just walk past Highland and go up to um, the Hologram Theatre. Have a look. You'll be blown away. So what makes a great leader? You know, few people are born leaders. Leadership skills have got to be learned and enhanced once you've developed these skills in order to get people to follow you. Very few people can um, have, some have charisma and some have this magnetism, but most people have to learn their leadership skills. And the biggest factor in business success is quality leadership, where the boss has the ability to lead, leads by example and is accountable. I remember going to a presentation by Steve Jobs a lot of years ago and people were just in awe. And I think if if Steve had have said, come on, we're all going to go and jump off a cliff, there would have been about a thousand lemmings that would have followed him and jumped. He just had that ability. And in 1940, Richard and Maurice McDonald founded the McDonald's restaurant in San Bernardino, California, and they began franchising McDonald's in 1953. And over a couple of years, they gained a whole 15 franchises. But um, what happened was they, they then sold it to Ray Kroc, and Ray Kroc sold about 
400 franchises in just a couple of years. So he had leadership ability. Leaders are influential and intuitive, and they've got a track record of past successes. Whether a person can or cannot gather followers says a lot about their leadership abilities. So how can you learn to influence people? So when somebody feels unfairly treated, if you've got leadership ability, you should be able to spot it through your intuition and resolve any issues before they affect your people. You've got to highlight your past successes so people can see your efficiency as a good leader. And this motivates people and gives them confidence knowing that they're heading in the right direction because of your your previous successes. Leaders have got to be trustworthy and it's really easy to lose that trust if you, don't, if you break the rules that they're supposed to obey. Now, President Nixon's illegal activities cost him the presidency because people stop following somebody unreliable, dishonest, unfair, who do, does not impose good judgment. So if a leader doesn't follow the established rules, it shows disrespect and that disillusions people. True leaders enforce the rules and hold themselves and others accountable. Leaders have got to command respect. A leader displays stronger will, more skills and overflowing determination. Today, CEOs, athletes, coaches and other leaders often go where a larger paycheck is and this can lead to a loss of respect and trust. Leaders attract quality individuals, a leader's own traits shape his team and his organisation. The law of magnetism explains why leaders hire people who have the same qualities or have similarities with them. Leaders want to walk, work with people who reflect their work ethic. A victorious leader is hungry for success and will create winning teams with diverse talents and a shared vision. Just imagine a soccer team made up of only exceptional goalies without all the other skills. Therefore, a leader's got to pursue diverse skill sets that can overcome challenges. You must ensure that everyone on your team shares the same vision. Otherwise, all those diverse talents are wasted. A great leader makes the right decision at the right time. And disaster happens when a leader chooses the wrong decision at the wrong time. But, you know, the right decision at the wrong time can be equal, equally problematic. Successful leaders are decisive, seize an opportunity and prevent a catastrophe. Understanding these fundamental laws of leadership can help your team surpass any challenges that can arise. Leaders are influential people that successfully gained respect and trust from those who follow them. So be loyal to your people. Focus on victory no matter what. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space, just get out of the way and let somebody who wants to achieve and wants to succeed get past you. You know, it's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. That is easy. So if you're always trying to be ordinary and trying to be normal, you'll always be ordinary and you'll always be as boring as batshit. You'll never know how amazing that you can be. Now, I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I'll again be broadcasting from our studios in Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, where technology meets entertainment.
In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.